You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Four. When Jim entered his office the next morning, the first thing that hit his senses was the smell of coffee. Mercedes knew his habits and had put the coffee maker on when she arrived. She was behind her desk, typing away on her computer, but smiled at him when he entered. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Mercedes. Not a lot of good about it. Did you see the paper yet? Mercedes pointed to a folded San Francisco Chronicle on her desk. Yes, except that I saw it online. One of these days, Jim, you really need to get yourself a computer. That's what I've got you for. I don't need all the electronic crap. File folders and a typewriter worked well enough for many years. Mercedes sighed theatrically. Fine, but yes, I did see it. If you're talking about the girl in the dumpster, pretty creepy. Did they call you in on it? Inspector Charles called me in the middle of the night. Did you get anything out of it? Did you talk to her ghost? Mercedes leaned forward, her dark eyes locked on his. Yes, I got a little bit. But it's worse than just a nasty killer. She told me he heals. He wears heels? No. He heals damage instantly. Like me. Mercedes held a hand to her mouth. Dios mío, another person like you? You've been looking for one of those for... For longer than you've been alive, yeah, I know. And now it seems I've found one. Mercedes nodded, determined. So where do we start? What do you mean, we? None of this has anything to do with you. And if there's a crazy, immortal killer out there, I don't want you within twenty miles of the guy. Mercedes's brow furrowed. That's not fair, Jim. I'm in this just as much as you are. I'm not going to just run away with my tail between my legs because of a little danger. It's not the first time we've had sticky situations, is it? Jim shook his head. He knew Mercedes was right. But that didn't mean he liked it. Mercedes Juanita Fatima Garcia Perez had been a waitress in a Mexican restaurant in a small town in Southern California when Jim had met her. The city had been the center of several unexplained deaths, and Jim had taken upon himself to investigate. He had suspected it to be related to something supernatural, perhaps a cult, or maybe even a werewolf. He had never seen one, but felt reasonably confident they existed. He had been right. The Perez family restaurant had become a battleground, as he had wrestled the creature through the taco buffet, all the way through the sauces and tamales and into the big bowl of chili where it held its head under until it lost consciousness. Finally subdued, the creature had taken its natural form again, and Jim had been able to take the rather confused and embarrassed naked man, an accountant named Vickers, back to his house. 
Here he had given Mr. Vickers a necklace created by a wizard of his acquaintance which could subdue the inner beast. He had warned the man not to take it off again under any circumstances, and Mr. Vickers had readily agreed. Jim was glad he had. He knew the only other alternative would be the silver bullet, and he had never been good at killing people in cold blood. The battle had been witnessed by more than fifty people, but as was usually the case, people tended to make up a story that seemed more plausible than what had really happened. Gang members on PCP was the most common explanation to anything supernatural. In this case, the story seemed to be that a bear had attacked the restaurant. Only one person had not accepted this story, the 18-year-old waitress, who the next day cornered Jim on the street when he was about to head north. You know what that was, she had said. That was a werewolf. So what if it was, he had asked, lighting his cigarette. It's gone now. Do you do this a lot? Save people from monsters? Only when I have to. She had nodded, as if accepting his words. My parents want me to work in the restaurant with them instead of going to college. They want me to stay in this town and be just like them. Maybe they want to keep you safe. Maybe. But I don't want to be safe. I want to do what you do. Where do I sign up? He shook his head. You don't. It's a very special job for very special people. You mean special like retarded people? Because honestly, if you don't hire me... I'd say you're retarded. He blinked. Excuse me? She pointed to the bandage on his hand, from where the werewolf had scratched him yesterday. That hand isn't hurt. You're just keeping the bandage around it to prevent people from seeing it. You're something special yourself, am I right? Not a monster, maybe, but something different. I could probably make a lot of trouble for you if I start talking about you and what you can do. I won't, though. I want in. Jim looked at the girl. She stood in her white apron over her jeans and pink shirt, her skin golden in the California sun. She looked impossibly young. What do you say? Do you have a job for me? I bet even a guy who kills werewolves needs an assistant. Jim sighed. All right. Ten bucks an hour plus free coffee. Mercedes had taken her apron off and tossed it casually over her shoulder. Done. When do I start? Jim sat down behind his desk and opened the newspaper to the article about the murder. It looked like he had made it out of the place without anyone getting a clear photo of his face. He wasn't even mentioned in the article, although it was stated that the SFPD had called in consultants. He was sure they didn't want it plastered over the front page that a psychic investigator had helped them out. Even though he rarely called himself psychic these days, it had been Mercedes' idea to change the name to Tempest Investigations, giving it a more official sound than Corrigan the Spirit Detective. It seemed to be what stuck. He put the paper down and leaned back in the chair, folding his hands under his chin. In his mind... He was trying to imagine the person who had killed Mary Louise. How would such a person think, and where would he hide? Jim thought of his own feelings against the powers that had brought him back to life. 
How would another person feel when he woke up as an immortal? Frustrated? Scared? Angry? Of all the realms they could have found, this was the most malevolent. For beyond the border of despair stand the gates of Eridor. These are the Chronicles of Eridor. A happy-go-lucky and good ham production. Anyone there? Ah, Charlie. Cassie. Welcome back. <laughs> now appearing on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network. The spirits in the corners of his office stirred restlessly, and he looked at them, trying to see if he could recognize any of them. Some of the spirits had been hanging around him for years, and he sometimes would catch himself nodding to them as if they were neighbors. He took a mouthful of coffee, and then had an idea. Kramer. Anderson Kramer. Can you hear me? He asked out loud. What? Mercedes said from the front office. The key clacking stopped. Not you talking to a spirit. Oh, I see. The clacking continued. Jim sometimes wondered what she was writing all day. Maybe just emails to her family. Anderson Frederick Kramer, come to me. He closed his eyes, focusing his thoughts. Knowing someone's name when they needed to be summoned was immensely helpful. It was one of the first rules of magic. Jim himself was very careful in never giving his middle name to anyone. That way, no wizard could hold sway over him. There was a change in the air, and Jim knew the spirit had arrived. He opened his eyes. Anderson Kramer was a man of about thirty-five, tall, black, and burly, with a big head of hair. He had told Jim he had been a hippie, had come to San Francisco as part of the Summer of Love, and had died in 1970 of an overdose. He was still dressed the way he had when he was alive, as most spirits were. An open brown vest, naked chest underneath, and pants with wide legs. Around his neck was a peace sign. What do you want, man? Anderson's voice was low, slightly nasal, but it was one of the most clear spirit voices Jim had ever heard. He also still spoke as if it was the sixties. A girl died last night, on market. She was very young and dressed like an angel. Someone in the city is killing people in very nasty ways. I need you to find out if she's the only one. Anderson shook his head. How exactly do you propose I find that out? Don't play dumb with me. We've known each other too long. The spirit flickered like smoke in a high wind. The sunray falling through the window went right through him. The flicker, Jim knew, meant a strong emotion. In this case, amusement. He continued... I know you can communicate with each other in the spirit world. Far easier than you can with me or anyone else human. You're not exactly human, man. Anderson pulled on his peace sign with one hand. Fair point. But I still know you can talk easier with them than you can with me. So I need you to do that. Anderson smiled. 
And why exactly would I do that? How would that benefit me? Jim knew that Anderson was just stalling. They had known each other for many years, and Jim had come to rely on him for contact with the spirits he could not himself reach. Jim suspected he held some kind of mentor position, if one could talk of such things in the spirit world. He would often play at needing favors, but usually he would do what Jim asked. He might save some lives. That's a pretty good cause, isn't it? The girl last night was just a child. You might prevent a few new members of the spirit community. What do you say about that? It's not that I don't want to, Jim. But there's more to it than just talking to the guy next to you in the bar. It's complicated. And a lot of the newer cats don't want to communicate at all. Isn't that what you're supposed to be good at? Connecting? Anderson nodded. Right. I catch your drift. So you do it? Jim shook his cigarette pack, picking one out and putting it in his mouth. When you ask like that, how can I refuse? I'll do it, but I can't promise you anything. I'm not asking for promises. But think about how that little girl looked. Here. Jim held up the newspaper, giving Anderson a good look at the picture on the front page. An angel, the spirit whispered. Yeah, that seems to be what he's going for. It is almost Christmas. But do you think it has anything to do with the Yuletide spirit, Jim? Jim shook his head. No, I don't. I think he's sending us a message. To me. Or at least to someone like me. Very well, I'll ask around. I'll look you up when I've got something. Great. Anderson seemed to dissolve in the sunlight. Jim lit his cigarette and got to his feet. Mercedes. Yes, Jim? Mercedes looked up from her keys again. This time he was sure it wasn't business-related. He could still see the small buttons on the bottom of the screen, and one said, Candy Crush. I need you to do some research for me. I need you to look at any murders of kids in the country for the last five years, say. Murders with mutilations, especially. Mercedes made a face but wrote down his request on a notepad. Okay, what else? Cross-reference it with religious things. Say people having defaced religious things, places, or items. Mercedes nodded. Okay, that shouldn't be too hard. You think this guy has a bug up his butt about God? Jim shook his head. I think this guy might think he either is doing God's work, or just the opposite. You think he's a Satanist or something? One step up from that. I think he might believe he's a demon. <laughs>